love food. Oddly enough, I've become quite a foodie, but there's nothing quite as satisfying than a meal. Right? Like, even just last Sunday, a week ago from today, I was just pumped. I was so excited because Gabby and I, my wife, we were having a bunch of people over to our house to have an Asian hot pot. Now, if you don't know what an Asian hot pot is, uh, it's basically just a a pot of boiling broth that that sits on a burner in the middle of a dining room table, and it's surrounded by all sorts of raw meat and vegetables and, and various other things. And as you eat, you just take and you got your chopstick, you just put it in the broth, you eat, and you eat, and you eat. And it is incredible. And it's become one of my most favorite things, like in the whole world. I love hot pots. And it's become one of my most favorite things, I think, for several reasons. There's nothing quite as satisfying as being with people that you love, right? And hot pot's just a great excuse to have a bunch of people over. You don't do that with two people. You do it with 12 people. To have a bunch of people over, people that you love. And it's so good to be able to provide such a, really, an extravagant meal for people that you love. And as you sit there and you eat and you eat and you eat, it's so, so satisfying. And I'm sure many of you, you know, you get what I mean. Lots of people look forward to uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas meals, right? Right, for the same reason. Being together, having a satisfying meal. But you know what the most disappointing part of a meal is? Like the worst part? It ends. It ends. The meal which satisfies eventually ends. And when it ends, we we leave dinner full. Right? Only to enter into a, a world that le- often leaves us empty. Food only goes so far. Food only satisfies so much. Truth is, we need something more than food. Right? It's easy to come to hot pot and be satisfied, but man does not live on hot pot alone. <laughs> We're all unique people with unique needs. And the reality is, is what we need is someone to care for us, to care for us enough to provide for us, but to provide for us what will ultimately, truly satisfy us. Are you hungry for something more than food this morning? In a world that often leaves us dissatisfied, are you looking for something that will truly satisfy you? Friends, Jesus lays out a banquet for us this morning. I'd invite you, as we continue our series in Matthew, to open up to Matthew chapter 14, verses 13 through 21. 
open your Bibles. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, by the way, we have a bunch of free Bibles in the back. Please take one. If you know someone who needs a Bible, please just take one. Please. So Bible's back there. It'll also be displayed on the screen. Matthew 14, 13 through 21. This is the word of God. Now, when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Now, when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the day is now over. Send the crowds away and go into the, to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. They said to him, We only have five loaves here and two fish. And he said, to, and he said Bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass, and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. And they all ate and were satisfied, and they took up twelve baskets full of broken pieces left over. And those who ate were about five thousand men, besides women and children. Amen. This is the word of God and all of Christ's people said, amen. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we come before you this morning and we ask that you would illuminate our hearts and our minds to the word of Christ that we might love and glorify you. Amen. We pray these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Bad news often comes at a bad time. Hard day at work? Well, now the car won't start. Kids acting up? Well, so's your husband, too. Listen to a really long sermon? Chick-fil-A's closed. Right? When hard times occur, we just need some rest, right? And we read in the previous passages that John, or not John, Jesus has just been rejected in his hometown. And on top of that, Jesus hears a report that Herod thinks that Jesus is John the Baptist, raised from the dead. It's kind of a bad time for Jesus to stick around right now. So, Jesus attempts to withdraw. And this is not like a new thing that Jesus does in his ministry. He often withdraws when his fame spreads or he's simply tired. But word gets out. Where's Jesus? Where's Jesus gone? We gotta go find Jesus. Before Jesus can even get out of the boat, he is met with a great crowd. There is no rest for Jesus now. Now, I would suspect that when things are difficult in life, those are the times in which we want to get away the most. When we're most anxious, to go on vacation or even in the moment, right? Like, I can't even, I can't even right now, right? I can't even deal with you right now. I need 10 minutes. Give me a break. Let me go over there and just collect myself. We are often short toward others when we are short in ourselves. 
but not so with Jesus. We read, when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Jesus wasn't like, I can't even right now. He didn't get back in the boat and just bail. No, he went to them. After looking for solitude, Jesus went to these needy people, and he had compassion on them, and he healed their sick. I can often, I can't even deal with one person sitting in front of me. But Jesus looked at this crowd with great compassion. Now, compassion is interesting, and it's a word we might easily fly over. The the Greek word for compassion is defined uh, as a feeling in one's gut or heart of deep empathy for another. Like being moved to hold a sick child. Feeling the pull to embrace a friend who's lost a loved one. Or just wanting to sit with a friend who's in the throes of depression. Christ saw this crowd and he was moved in his gut to heal them. This is something I think we all need to hear today. Jesus is not just an abstract idea. We often, in the Christian life for various things, look at Jesus in a very two-dimensional way. We often overlook the beauty of the person and work of Christ Jesus. The Jesus who had compassion on the crowd, who was moved to heal them, is the same Jesus who lives now and has compassion on you, on me. He's the same Jesus who has compassion on the hurt the broken and the sinful on earth, the Jesus who sits enthroned in heaven. This is who Jesus is. He's the God-man, true God, true man. The New Hampshire Confession of Faith beautifully talks about Jesus, the God-man, this way. It says, uniting in his wonderful person, are the tenderest sympathies with divine perfections. He is in every way qualified to be a suitable, a compassionate, and an all-sufficient Savior. Jesus is compassionate. He cared. And his care moved him to those who need him most. Crowds weren't looking for Jesus. They found a compassionate healer. Who do you find when you look for Jesus? Disappointed? Like you can't even believe you just did that again? Frustrated? Impatient with you? Just waiting for you to get over yourself while he eternally blows your head off? Brothers and sisters, no matter what you're going through this morning, he is not distant. He is not eternally disappointed. 
He is not impatient. He is not just waiting for you to work through your stuff. No. More than we could ever understand, comprehend, or fathom, Jesus cares. Jesus cares for you. You are not a burden to Jesus. And your mess and sin are not too much for him to handle. Friends, Jesus is compassionate toward you and your mess. And he knows them well. And he doesn't just know them. He actually does something about it. He continues on. Now when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. They said to him, We have only five loaves here and two fish. Closing time. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. I thought about singing that, and I decided it was a bad idea. But (laughs) it's late, right? It's late. It's the evening. People are still there. Clearly, they, they, they wanted to be with Jesus. They've gone out into this wilderness without bringing anything with them, and they've stayed with him late into the evening. And this is a desolate place, right? It's a wilderness. This isn't a special event where, like, event organizers got together for a couple of months and they planned all the things, right? Like, (laughs) there's no food trucks, (laughs) you know, getting ready to, to dish out tacos and lobster rolls. No, this is a wilderness. There is no food. There is no one standing by. So the disciples are like, no, you might think reasonably so. Come on, Jesus. It's time to shut it down. we got to send these people away. And this isn't like a nice request either. The disciples were decisively deciding, Jesus, it's time to shut it down. But Jesus wasn't ready. With equal emphasis directed back at the disciples, he told them, they don't have to leave. You give them something to eat. Right? And you can imagine the head swinging at this point. Like, look at Jesus. Look at the, the thousands of people. Back to Jesus. Back to thousands of people. What? This is an impossible task. Jesus, what, what are you asking us to do? What could, what could we possibly do? In fact, Jesus... What could you possibly do for all of these people in this wilderness? The wilderness is a reoccurring theme throughout the pages of the scriptures. After disobeying God in the garden, Adam receives the curse and he's cast out of the garden uh, paradise, garden paradise, and into a wilderness, a place with thorns and thistles, a place where the ground does not bring produce. 
is the, the state in which God's people, it's the world, has lived ever since Adam. The world is a wilderness. But God has always cared for his people in the wilderness. God led Abram, later to become Abraham, into a strange land, away from what he knew, away from his family, and promised that he would make him a great nation and provided for him every step of the way toward that end. Joseph was thrown into a pit in the wilderness by his own brothers and sold. But God would make him a leader in Egypt. He would raise him up in the work of Joseph and save the lives of many people during this great famine. God led the Israelites through the wilderness and he fed them with manna. Moses, at the end of his life, before he's about to die on the edge of the wilderness, looked upon Canaan, a new territory, a new land, and saw God's faithfulness to all of his promises, even though Moses would never enter that land. David was hunted by Saul in the wilderness, but he trusted in the Lord, his rock and his redeemer, and the Lord did sustain him. God's prophets were often exiled and despised by the people. All right, Elijah, after he confronts the prophets of Baal, goes into the wilderness and he, he asks God to just kill him. End my life. I can't do this. But an angel sustained Elijah and him Yahweh called him again to go back and speak to the people. What could Jesus possibly do to these people in this wilderness? The same thing God has always done for his people in the wilderness. Jesus had before him thousands of people who were tired and hungry. He would not send them away. The Jesus who was compassionate toward them was happy to provide for them. Verse 18. And he said, bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. And he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds, and they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up twelve baskets full of the broken pieces left over. And those who ate were about five thousand men, besides women and children. Right, the back and forth with the disciples is over. He told them to bring him the food. I'm sure the disciples were like, okay. <laughs> right? Like, okay. 
Jesus uh, orders the crowds to sit down. Uh, one commentator notes that this would have been a common cue that people were about to receive a meal. So he, took, he, pick, he takes the food, he says the blessing, and he begins to break the food and hand it off to the disciples. And he broke the food and passed it off. And he did it again, and he did it again, and he did it again, and he did it again. What was once five loaves and two fish, meager rations, had become an immense meal. An immense meal. Friends, this is nothing short of a miracle. This is a straight-up miracle, right? Jesus fed these people with what was basically nothing. He provided for them. How did Jesus do this? How did he do it? This is nothing short of Christ's divine nature. The Lord is the one who created the world and everything in it. And Jesus breaks this food, and there's more, and there's more, and there's more. And in this action, he shows himself the maker of heaven and earth. The one who is one with him, one himself with God. Shows himself to be God. And not only that, he shows himself to be God with his people in the wilderness. The same God who continued to provide for his people in the wilderness is that Lord with them, enrobed in flesh, providing for these people in this wilderness. This is a desolate place. But just as God provided for his people throughout all time when they were in the wilderness, Jesus shows himself the God-man in the wilderness with his people, faithful to provide. What was a desolate place has become a rich land, teeming with food. Friends, this is such good news. This is a continuation of the work that God has done since the very beginning. And it's a foretaste of what Christ would do. Meals only satisfy so much. The reality is, is these people, as well as us, need so much full, more than mere food. All this food God provides points to Christ's greater work. You remember back earlier in Matthew... That Jesus went into the wilderness alone without any food. Was tempted by the devil and did what no man could do. He maintained perfect obedience, perfect righteousness. And to his greater work that we'd see later, that Jesus was lifted on a cross in the wilderness. He suffered the wrath of God for the people's sin. He did this so that he might be a co-sufferer with other sufferers. That he could be our wilderness savior, our wilderness king. 
Christ's church is not out of the wilderness anymore. Peter calls the church sojourners and exiles in a strange land. The world in which we live is a wilderness. This is not our home. Like Moses, we are between two worlds. The already and the not yet. Living in the wilderness with Christ's blessing, but looking toward the next land. Traversing this wilderness as God's people, but with God's does continue to feed us. Jesus' life was given for us, and each and every week, we gather as a church to feast upon Christ. He feeds us with His Word in this wilderness. He feeds us with His communion bread, with His body and blood in this wilderness, in order to satisfy us, in order to sustain us as we traverse this wilderness to the world to come. If you're a Christian here today, hold, take a hold of Christ. Don't grow weary in this wilderness. Week in, week out, come and grasp the living God in word and sacrament. We do this with the blessed hope that one day this wilderness wandering is going to end. And that He's going to satisfy us and sustain us until that happens, that one day it'll end, that this wilderness will produce, and in that place, we will feast with the living God. We will feast with Christ at the marriage supper of the Lamb. We suffer now, but we look forward to that day. And through the means Christ provides, God's going to sustain us to that day. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, you're also in this wilderness. But you're in it without any hope. Without any means. God's wrath will come against sin because God is just. Because God is holy. And if you do not belong to Jesus, your wilderness wandering is in vain. But if you come to Christ in faith, believing that he alone can save you from death, save you from the wrath of God, he is faithful to save you. And he's faithful to continue to sustain you. Finally, when God's wrath is poured out on the world, you will be saved from the other means of the living Savior. Come to Jesus in faith. Know Him. Believe Him. Trust Him. Brothers and sisters, Christ is with us in this wilderness. But we are also in this wilderness together. Amen? Jesus told his disciples to give them something to eat, right? Jesus didn't just, like, make the food and then, like, get out of the way, disciples, I'll take care of this. He certainly did take care of it. But he passed the bread off to his disciples. Jesus was the one who provided the meal. And he passes it off to the disciples that they might take it to the next disciple.
drive us out, Christ teaches us, his disciples, to compassionately feed the people where Christ is present. In a world where there is increasing division, increasing compassionlessness toward each other, we need to show each other Christ's compassion. As elders of this church, it is our privilege and our duty to lead you to the compassionate love of our Savior. To provide you what Christ gives us. To feed God's people with Christ's word and his ordinances. If you're a member of this church, your elders are stewards. We live this. You hear me. I could speak on the elders on their behalf in this way. We live and breathe leading you to Christ's blessings. It is our great task. It is our duty, our privilege, and it is our great love to do so. To do so with you. And to be honest, this is not to say that God does not care for the physical needs of his church either, right? Like Christ fed the crowd, right? It might be easy to over, you know, over-spiritualize, like food doesn't matter, only what matters is the spiritual. No, he fed them with food, right? Christ also cares about our physical lives. And so in the church, Christ has ordained deacons to care for our physical needs. When needs arise, deacons exist. They live to care for those things. And in the combination of elders and deacons, the Lord graciously provides for the needs of his church in this way. And not only that, you also have each other. As members of this congregation, show love, show Christ's compassion to one another. Live in harmony. Be in deep, deeply involved relationships. Care for each other. Pray for one another. Provide for each other as needs arise. Speak grace into each other's lives. Don't live in isolation. That's dangerous. Isolation is dangerous. I mean, over the past year, right, we had to isolate because of COVID. We kept saying over again, like, isolation breeds sin. It's stuck in my mind. Isolation breeds so much sin. We need to be in a wilderness together to compassionately and lovingly live to each other in Christ's blessings satisfied with each other in Christ. And as a church, let us show Christ's compassion to a world living in a wilderness apart from Christ, from Christ's graces. Amen? Compassionately love your neighbors in word and in deed. Show them the love of Christ. Tell them about the gospel. Serve them in their physical needs. 
as deeply involved as we ought to be in each other's lives, let us also be deeply involved in the lives of our unbelieving friends, family, neighbors, that we might compassionately show them Christ's compassion, Christ's graces. Why? Well, because at the end of this passage, we read that they all ate and were satisfied. They were satisfied. There was an abundance left over too, right? Satisfied with more or plus more, right? Christ compassionately provided for them and there was more than enough. enough. Christ's ability is more than sufficient to satisfy all of your needs. Especially in this life when we think things will satisfy us. The meal ends. And as satisfying as it's been during the show is, the show ends. Relationships satisfy. Relationships fail. Often going home at night, laying in bed, Thinking their entertainment, promotion at work, even people in general, will satisfy us. And they often do. And that's a good thing. And then and God gives us many good blessings in this world. And it's a good thing to enjoy them. But none of those things will ultimately satisfy us. None of those things will ultimately satisfy in the way that Christ Jesus and his word, his work, his graces will satisfy us. Those things satisfy, things that God gives us, but Christ Jesus truly satisfies. He truly gives us life. He truly bears with us in our suffering. He truly walks with us in our wandering. And even when in the throes of sadness, with great tears in our eyes, as we, and when everything around us is failing, right? With great sadness in our hearts, we could say, Christ Jesus truly satisfies me. Nothing else does. Not in that way. And nothing else could. Because nothing compares to Jesus. Nothing in this life. Friends, Christ is compassionate toward us in this wilderness. Let that comfort your souls and compel you toward the means he provides to satisfy you. He compassionately satisfies in this satisfies us in this wilderness. Let that motivate you to be compassionate to others by showing them Christ's compassion in word and in deed. A good meal satisfies only so much. Food only goes so far. At the end of the day, when all else does not satisfy, remain with Jesus. Because Jesus compassionately provides for you in order to 
Amen. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, our God, we come to you on this Lord's day to be satisfied. God, when we go out into the world, help us to know. Remind us of the feebleness of the world to satisfy us. And fill our hearts and our minds. Change our desires with Jesus. Oh Lord, help us to be satisfied in you. To always hold on to those means which he gives us to satisfy us. May we do this. May this all be to the praise of your honor and your glory and your grace. For in you alone we do have life and we have it abundantly. God, be glorified. We pray these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing in response.